Hello and welcome to episode 133 of the Nerd Culture Podcast 133. My name is David, and with me for the episode we have Crystal. Hello, 133. 133. It just, it's, we just need to get something on the end and we can have leet. 13333 three, three, three recurring. No, that's not right. <laughs> and Bo! How's it going, everybody? It's going good, man. Are you, are you frozen solid yet? Uh, no, it's warming up. It's warming up here. Really? Uh, so, so the so-called cold snap didn't last very long? Not not in South Carolina, anyway. I mean, it definitely got really cold, but it's it's going back to normal now. The entire town shut down. We closed schools. We closed. It was like a hundred percent chance of like one foot of snow. Yeah. It was supposed to be like as far as South Carolina goes, that might as well be seven feet of snow. Like it was supposed <laughs> to be cataclysmic, and then all it did was rain. It literally just <laughs> rained. It never did anything else. It was insane. That's very upsetting. <laughs> That's very anticlimactic. <laughs> Uh, well, un- un- unlike uh, the weather conditions in South Carolina, this episode is not anticlimactic. It's awesome. <laughs> that was a very bad segue. I, I that was pretty ordinary. <laughs> Let's move on. So uh, we tried we, to do. We have news, reviews, uh, round four of our contest of champions. Uh, a pretty big Azerothian Times got quite a lot of talks about there. And uh, as a special bonus, I have an interview with, with Keith Ajuice, which is the proper pronunci- pronunciation I learned, Ajuice. Adios. But a typical Australian would probably say Aegis. Uh From Wormwood, Road of the Dead, which was uh, awesome. I spoke to him yesterday, and uh, he was a cool dude. He was as cool as I expected Frank to be. Well, I've dipped a roast beef sandwich in our juice before. It's pretty good. What? What? The- <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of our juice, our juice sauce? <laughs> Ah, oh, juice. Ju- oh, ju- this guy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll uh, keep listening to, to hear from Keith, and, and I might actually also be able to uh, speak to some of the other cast from Wormwood as well, so that'd be cool. I'm, trying to, I'm championing Wormwood as much as I can. We're on the Wormwood train. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, let's move on. Know, you looked at me like I was meant to say something. You were looking at me weird. I'm not looking. You weren't looking in my eyes. You were looking over just to the left of me. You missed a bit when you were shaving. Oh, is that what? You're looking at the wrong eye. Looking at the wrong. Don't look me. Don't look me straight in the eyes. Look. Look over slightly to the left. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some views. Okay, I've got uh, a couple of quick. Quick news items, and then I want to get to some breaking news. I've actually got some breaking news. So, very quickly, let's get these out of the way. Guy Sebastian has been chosen to represent Australia in Eurovision. Uh, Eurovision, as the name would suggest, is a European uh, songwriting slash performing contest that uh, is extravaganza. It's an extravaganza. That's the right word for it because it is. It's it's kind of it's quite camp. And I don't know if that's intentional or what they just deal, but anyway. I don't know if it wasn't first, but it certainly is now. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it probably wasn't to begin with. This is where ABBA came from. Yeah, so ABBA, yeah, ABBA made their start from Eurovision, so it's uh, it's a it's a pretty big deal in Europe. Australia, sort of, we, we watch it just for the laughs, really, because our commentator guy is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, and girl, what's it's the girl? Julia Zemiro and Sam yeah. Pang. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She's awesome. Um, anyway, so uh, Australia has been allowed to join Eurovision for the first time, and uh, we had a poll, and uh, somebody I don't know who it was, but selected the person to represent us, and it was, uh, and it came down to Guy Sebastian, who is a former winner of um, Australian Idol, I do believe. And uh, there was a bit of controversy, in, uh, you know, as these things always are. Uh, there was uh, quite a lot of fans for Jessica Malboy 
Um, which makes a lot of sense since she, since she represented us in the special event at Eurovision last year to sort of introduce Australia to Eurovision. So it would, it would make a lot of sense for Jessica to to uh, be chosen, but she wasn't. It was Guy. So That's fine. Suck it, haters. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a past guest from our show, Mark Humphreys, has been invited to go as well. And I said that um, I've tweeted to him, must have been because I saw him dancing. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Eurovision dancing, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so good luck to Guy at Eurovision. Uh, our next news item is Harrison Ford has, has survived crashing a plane onto a golf course. And that's a news yeah. item that you just love to read out. That's insane. <laughs> Harrison Ford survives crashing a plane onto a golf course. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it, it'd be awesome if it was Indiana plane. Jones survives crashing. Well, the plane Harrison was Ford. kind of an Indiana Jones type plane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so Harrison is uh, a qualified pilot uh, and uh, of planes and uh, choppers, and this is not the first time he's crashed. So he's he's actually crashed a chopper before and managed to walk away. But uh, yes, he had uh, some diff- plane, uh, technical difficulties. Has crashed in, crash landed into you're, a golf course, and uh, you're not a good pilot because you're good at crashing, though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I didn't say he was a good pilot. I said he was a qualified <laughs> pilot. Greatest great American <laughs> hero. <laughs> <laughs> never, never once said good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, mean, I, mean, I have no idea about his abilities. But he's he's managed to walk away. Uh, Relatively unscathed. So Did he walk good. away from it in slow motion while the plane exploded behind him? No, but that would have been bloody <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it was like a vintage World War Two plane. Yeah, it and looked awesome. It, I saw pictures of the... Uh, I mean, it looks like... Uh, he went down as gracefully as you could as yeah. far as crashing yeah. goes. Yeah. Know? I mean, he did, he did what he could. What can you do? I mean, you got a crash... It's impressing that he's up there. My favorite, my favorite meme meme from that, because of course there was memes, was that uh, they they superimposed the plane with uh, with the Millennium Falcon, but the only problem there is that they put it backwards. (laughs) (laughs) The Millennium Falcon. uh, Whatever. Because it should have been superimposed Deanna Troy flying it. Should never let Deanna Troy fly. (laughs) Never let Deanna fly. That's a good point. Let's, and uh, the last piece of news I've got is, like I said, the breaking news. And this just happened like an, a good hour ago. Really? Um, yeah, this, is, this just happened on the Twitter feed. All right, so basically what's that is uh, PAX East. Uh, so PAX, the uh, video game convention, is happening as we speak. Uh, and uh, one of the attendees is uh, Brianna Wu. Uh, Brianna is uh, one of the major targets of the Gamergate yeah. movement, I guess you want to call it. I just realised what you're going to talk about. Yeah, and um, in, along with uh, Zoe Quinn, obviously, but Brianna it just suffered some pretty horrible stuff. I mean, it's just it really is just ridiculous. Just some of the stuff that she suffered, and one of, and multiple times of those were death threats. Uh, and she's she's actually the person that we spoke about previously, where um, she had such a a viable death threat. Like I mean, this person posted pictures of her address and like pictures from outside her house. Um, so. She, her and her family eventually had to uh, run away, essentially. And, you know, who can blame them? So they had to go and stay somewhere else. So, you know, it's pretty horrible stuff. So while she was attending PAX East, um, one of their enforcers, which is a pretty terrible name, I don't, I don't quite understand it, but the security, one of the security guys from PAX East... It's, I think it's probably a game-related thing. Yeah, probably, yeah. Um, one of the enforcers... Um, jokingly tweeted that uh, he was going to track her down. No, 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 correction. Somebody else tweeted that he was going to track her down, and one of their enforcers retweeted that and then continued the conversation. 
by then pointing out with the locations that where she was. It's like, you know, I'm standing behind her and there she is in front of me and this, you know, describing her appearance and that sort of stuff. And it was all, it was all you know, lighthearted and stuff, but no, no actual genuine th- threats were made, except for one particular tweet that, that said, is like, I should, you know, I should take her out now. I'd be a, I'd be a hero to many. Now, Brianna was made aware of these and left. And of course she did. Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it was joking around. And good on her, I say. I mean, it's, it's just, there's just no need to, to put up with this crap. And I've just got to throw it out there to Pax East that, you know, I've now been made aware of the situation. And according to Brianna, she didn't want to give any, any, uh, like specifics, but apparently they're handling the situation. The only handling the situation that's going to be acceptable is if that person is immediately fired and escorted off the premises. So let's hope that's actually what's happened. It's just it's, it's a disgrace. What goes through someone's mind to try to who wants to torment someone like that? Mm. I, I don't quite get the mindset to push someone so far that they have to leave their own home. That's not what happened here, but earlier. Yeah. I just don't understand the mindset. I don't understand it either. It's, it's Safe it's by home behind your keyboard and anonymous. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know like, like, like I said, they, they said they were joking. And I do actually believe that. I do believe they were just joking. Yeah, but, but given still, what she's still, suffered before, exactly. it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to set you. It's just off, not good it? enough. So, oh, anyway. So there you go, breaking news. I don't know, but uh, we'll find out after we record what's uh, the eventual resolution of that. But anyway, that's the news. Let's move on to our reviews. Now we're going to start off with Crystal. And Crystal's going to be reviewing A Change of Habit. Change of Habit, um, directed by William A. Graham, starring Elvis Presley. Yay! Mary Tyler Moore. Yay! Barbara McNair. Yay! <laughs> and Jane Elliott. Yay! With a small role by Ed Asner. Oh, legend. Yeah. So it's set in New York City, but shot in Los Angeles. Um, you know, on that back lot thing they have that make it look, looks like New York, which is reasonably convincing. Um, It's the story of three nuns who go on a secret mission of doing air quotes secret mission because that's what they jokingly call it to bring God to the ghetto or or, you know bring help out the people in the ghetto. The girls leave the convent and go to the to a department store. They I've written D habit. (laughs) That's my own invention. Um, And emerge as women. Um, with Mary Tyler Moore sporting her trademark Mary Tyler Moore hairdo. Cool. Yeah. I thought it was interesting though the scene where they're actually in the convent. They're all they're all down there praying, and uh, but uh, Mary Tyler Moore's eyes are all eyeshadowed up, and she's still all. You know. Well, they're allowed to wear makeup. I know, but it's just it's, it's just she's. It seemed to be only her. <laughs> Maybe because <laughs> well, she's the star and she had to stand star. out. She is the star. Um, so the three nuns go to work as nurses for Dr. Carpenter, played by Elvis. Carpenter initially scoffs at them because when they arrive, they're wearing their nice lady clothes, for lack of a better term. He, um, he immediately thinks they're uh, three ladies from Park Avenue have got themselves into a bit of trouble mm. and have come to the ghetto to find an out-of-the-way doctor to solve their trouble. Um, but uh, in, then is surprised to find out that they're actually three highly trained 
nurses, Michelle, which is Mary Tyler Moore. She's a psychiatric social worker with a degree in speech therapy. Um, Barbara is a laboratory technician and Irene is a registered nurse with a degree in public health. Um, You get two songs within the first 10 minutes. So of course you, you do. You expect this to be your, your usual Elvis movie, but then it thins out. You only get five songs throughout the whole movie. Um, this is Elvis Elvis's last movie, and I think out of all Elvis movies I've seen, I haven't seen the really early ones. I think this one's his best. Um, unlike the other movies, which are basically all boy meets girl, bikinis, and rock and roll, this is this film attempts to be more of a to be more of a film of substance. It deals with issues such as crisis of faith, life in the ghetto, mob intimidation, conflicts with the clergy, and has an autistic child. Now, these are all quite heavy issues, but it's still an Elvis movie um, when all's all said and done, um, and it never really goes into any real depth, but it still manages to be moving in places. Um, and bringing these issues is you know, a big step sort of forward in uh the Elvis movies, it's, it's, it's a, kind of a shame it's his last one, actually, because I think he could have got better. Mm. Back in the late 60s, autism wasn't really all that well known. Um, and it's a, looking back at it now, it's kind of laughable how it was portrayed. I don't know if laughable is the right word, but it's sort of, yeah. It's What happens is Dr. Carpenter treats Amanda with a therapy called rage reduction, which consists of him holding the child until she releases all her rage. So she's flipping around in his arms and screaming and yelling and kicking. He gets Michelle to hold her feet at one point. I'm not really sure about the treatment of autism, whether that's actually a real treatment or not, but I doubt it's as simple as that. And um, I was supposed to say, even if the child is autistic, because I think the way the character was played, I think it's more likely that she's got some psychiatric issues from being abandoned by her mother rather than being autistic. But, you know, tough for me to say. Um, It's actually, even though I've said that, it's actually quite a moving scene. and It's Elvis's best scene, although his acting's not great this i'd say this is probably his best performance in the in the film he's quite good in it um but he is outshone by the little girl (laughs) whose name i can't remember and i believe it's her only role anyway (laughs) there's a lot of triumph moments in it like when sister irene played by um barbara mcnair stands up to the local loan shark in in real life or in maybe even a more, more modern gritty movie uh, the loan shark might have come back and murdered her in his sleep, but it's still, still a bit of a moving scene. You've got to suspend disbelief here and accept that she's won that and she'll never hear from him again. Um, there are some really good performances in this film. Barbara McNair, who I just mentioned, um, she's actually a pop star in her own right, but she doesn't actually sing during this film. Uh, she was quite good. Um, Ed Asner, who I mentioned earlier, he does a really good performance as a police lieutenant, uh, especially when he's trying to break up the riot, which I put in quotes. It's basically the nun, one of the nuns doing a sit-in, and it's kind of peaceful, but she keeps you know, ranting and raving at him, wanting to be arrested. And he says stuff like, I don't employ obsolete tactics to deal with a, with a contemporary situation. Just nice and calmly. And then he goes on and says, in a potentially violent situation, it is imperative that law enforcement officials should conduct themselves with calm and understanding. (laughs) You don't get that anymore. It's quite amusing. Um, uh, And going back to Elvis's performances, it's about what you'd expect from Elvis. It's it's other than that scene with the autistic girl, which he was quite good, but, you know, not Oscar-winning performance. Um, He's really not... he's, He's... it doesn't. It does, and he only really gets animated when he's singing. 
and, and in fact, the scene where he's actually trying to convince Michelle to marry him, he's just he's very wooden. It's like he's just reciting his lines for her to rehearse off. Um, that's a, so. If, if the autistic scene was his best, that was his worst. <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, I give this movie three out of five Luke's. Cool, nice. Is that is that the movie that's got uh, in the ghetto? No, but I love that song. <laughs> It really, they should have. I think that might have been later. Oh, because of this, maybe? Could have been. It'd be the perfect movie for it. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know why it's not in there, but it's, that's a really cool song. In the ghetto. Next up, we've got <laughs> Bo. <laughs> I've the... never seen a Elvis movie. you never seen a single Elvis movie? No, I don't think I have. I don't think I've ever seen one. Do they play every week on Australian TV like every week I remember my mom able to find like, watching it when I was younger but I didn't ever I never watched one with her I think that they're, they're a bit of fun it's it's like eye candy really my mom used to have like the hand towels and stamps and stuff like she was like really into Elvis <laughs> he did not be into Elvis he was the king my mom knitted me a jumper with Elvis's face on the front <laughs> awesome Elvis's face <laughs> Brick. It's funny they used the same picture a lot. I remember like the stamps and the hand towels were the same picture, the same picture of Elvis. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, recently I've been watching a lot of Netflix originals. I just got done with House of Cards, and um, let's see a few others I've watched. They've all been pretty good. And um, I noticed this show, BoJack Horseman, which is a Netflix original. But it's like a like an adult cartoon comedy kind of thing. Yeah, BoJack is a '90s television star yeah. from a TV show called Horsin' Around, and, and he's a horse, of course. By the way, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even do that on purpose. You did do that on purpose? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> of course, of course, he's a horse. Of course. Um, <laughs> which, of course. And nobody can talk to a horse, of course. Unless, of course, the famous horse. But, uh, <laughs> the famous but, uh, So the, the show Horsing Around, it's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a spoof of like a, uh, what, what's the Family Matters or, you know, one of those family TV shows that were big in the 90s. Yeah. And he was yeah. the dad on the show. And now he's just like a washed up actor and he's trying to reignite his career he's got this girl following him around that's writing a book about him and it's funny because he's kind of like um he's kind of like acting differently um because he wants her to write a good book but yet he just complains about everything all the time and and um (laughs) it's it's a really hilarious show um he has an agent it reminds me of um of the you know the the tv shows that are like not reality but like it's like really about like um uh, like Kirby Enthusiasm, kind of, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even Californication. This is actually very Bojack Horseman is basically a horse Californication. Um, it's really similar to that, but that's crazy. Um, where you've got the uh, you, you've got the the main character who is like some sort of uh, celebrity, and then you kind of see you kind of see that like they break the fourth wall down, um, and you kind of see Hollywood, but at the same time you're not. You're just you're just saying, well, for one thing, this is a cartoon. But even in the case of like those other TV shows, you're just seeing a you know dramatized version of, of what their life might possibly be, and um, this is that kind of show, but it's got the whole cartoon like ridiculousness going on. Um, like there's this there's one character that is dating a man 
that is obviously three kids sitting on each other's shoulders in a trench coat. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because she swears he's a real person. And other people are like, oh, yeah, I can't remember the character's name. But like, oh, yeah, I met him uh, the other day. And the guy's name is like Mr. Adult Man or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, have you ever seen him without your trench coat? Or like, he he is obviously three kids sitting on their shoulders. And, the, and they're like, oh, you're just jealous, Bojack. You know, like no one wants to admit that he's, that he's really three kids sitting on their shoulders. <laughs> it's full of that kind of crazy humor. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a ridiculous show. I think it's really clever. I mean, I guess if I'm giving a rating, I have to rate it against other comedies. Otherwise, otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, it's not the best thing I've ever seen. Most definitely not the worst. I think it's pretty funny. I'll say a three out of five. Cool. Sounds very Harvey Birdman. Have you ever watched any of that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's that same kind of humor. Yeah. yeah. Harvey Birdman's really quick sometimes. Yeah. It's that same kind of humor. Cool. And I'm not going to do a review this session. Yay. Slacker. Yep. <laughs> Screw it. Megan has to do all the work. See how it is. That's it. It's like I'm, I'm the host. Um, cool. So uh, that's it for the reviews. Let's move on to Contest of Champions. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, Contest of Champions 2.0, round four. The Six Million Dollar Man versus the Bionic Woman. The fight that had to happen. It's, it didn't. It didn't fire the imagination of our of our listeners. This fight. It's uh, it's probably the lowest. It's well, not probably. It is the lowest rated a uh, fight that we've had, which is a shame. I'm not too it sure why that could is. Could be too old school, maybe. Maybe it is. Yeah, you're right. Old fogies that know the Six Million Dollar Man aren't going to be using Facebook. Well, yeah, they are, because their grandkids get them iPads for Christmas. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, <laughs> it's come full circle. It's so I'm, old funky that they're being given technology now. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I, I meant to reveal the the uh, Facebook results after it, but I'm going to do it at the start now, because it really, it's it's pointless. Really. Anyway, but uh, as of this recording, we received uh, two votes. <laughs> one, for, one for Steve and one for Jamie, so... It's a draw. So it, was a, it was a draw on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> One each. Nobody cares. But uh, we're going to go through it anyway, because <laughs> we have to. <laughs> we have to get on to the next round. So I don't, uh, I don't, This is a tough one, though. I can see it not getting many votes, because like I'm not in the age bracket where I really know these characters, other than where I've you know seen them in other things. Not their, not their actual show. And then... Also, they're, I mean, basically, they're really similar characters on purpose, so it's really hard to match them against each other. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we, gonna, are we just going to flip for it? Well, okay. I mean, well, I mean, unless I'm wrong, I don't know all the abilities of each. So let's go over that and then, and then uh, take it from there. All right. Astronaut Steve Austin, severely injured in a crash of the experimental lifting body aircraft. He's rebuilt... In an operation that costs $6 million. We oh. have the technology. Fairly enough. His right arm, both legs, and left eye are replaced with bionic implants. So he is a cyborg. It is, in fact, based on a novel called Cyborg. So that'll give you an idea. His abilities. So he is a trained astronaut. His ability is to run really fast in slow motion. Indeed. He has a bionic <laughs> left yeah. eye, which gives him 20... Point two to the power of one zoom lens. 
The lumber they didn't want to go ahead and do both eyes. They just did the one. They just well, only only got one da- uh, damaged eye, so they just did the one. I I mean, they didn't have twelve million, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I well, guess exactly. <laughs> there's, there's only so much money they've got. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it also has night vision. So he has a zoom lens as well as night vision. What else have we got? He's got two bionic legs, which allow him to. Uh, even though his upper speed limit is never firmly established, a speed of 60 miles per hour, or 97 kilometers for us Australians, uh, is commonly quoted. So there you go. Mm. The highest he's ever gone is 67 miles per hour, which is 108 kilometers. It's stated that he can leap 30 feet high, which is two stories, I'd say. No, three. Three stories. So there you go. Mm. Three stories he can jump. His bionic, the- left, bionic right arm... Is equivalent strength of a bulldozer. I've got the sound effect Dang. running through my head as you're describing all his abilities. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and also contains a Geiger counter, which may or may not <laughs> help us in this fight. Um, the implants have a major flaw in that extreme cold interferes with their functions and can disable them given sufficient exposure. Please, then no, I'm just going to say right out from the outset, we're not having any liquid nitrogen in the flight. Thank but you very much. Is it winter in New York? It's it's yeah. always it's always clement in the in the dome. Okay, because <laughs> that could be bad. <laughs> given last this winter, uh, in the first season, it's established that the bionics malfunction microgravity, although they are then later modified to rectify this. So then, why did I read it out? It was pointless. And <laughs> the bionic eye is vulnerable to ultrasonic attack, resulting in blindness and dizziness. Ooh. Wait a minute, bionic eye, which is like a visual thing, yeah, is, is, really, is it vulnerable to ultrasonic, which is a sound thing, attack? Yes, exactly. That makes no sense. Well, the, the, the components in the eye are uh, vulnerable to ultrasonic, which then, because the eye's screwing up, gives him a headache. Yeah. I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> Let's move it on. <laughs> I should have said his ear is vulnerable. <laughs> now, Jamie is a... Um, tennis player, I believe. Is she a tennis champion? Because why would you have a female astronaut? Oh! <laughs> oh, let's not go there. Jeez. Um, <laughs> what year was what year was the Bionic Woman made? 78, 9, I'm guessing. Oh, it was uh, in the 70s? Yeah, 76 to 78. That's more than I thought. Yep. Um, so anyway, so she's, she's introduced in the actual $6 million man show when uh, Steve travels to his old hometown... Uh, to buy a ranch that is for sale and to visit his mum. And during that visit, he rekindles his old relationship with Jamie Summers, who is now one of America's top tennis players. They then go uh, skydiving. They go on for a sky skydiving date, and Jamie's parachute malfunctions. She is then restored using the bionics. Because they had another spare $6 million lying around. Well, basically, yeah. Steve just demands that it happen. Yeah. Steve basically says, they- you bring her back or I'm, or I'm leaving. Which is awesome, and uh, they so, uh, say how much she cost compared to him. It is said humorously in dialogue to be less than six million, <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> be- because the replacement parts for her were smaller. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so what, 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 which, Jamie, which parts were smaller? <laughs> Jamie's oh, gee, you're on fire. Jamie is given two bionic legs uh, and her I right mean, arm. And instead of a bionic eye, she gets a bionic ear. Which would be vulnerable to ultrasonic attack. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Um, we can only assume that she does exactly the same thing that he does, except for her ear 
She she can uh, run at sixty miles per hour. Oh, she's actually in one episode. She's actually seen outpacing a race car, which is going a hundred miles per hour. What? What? So she's so according she's to that faster. one episode, she's faster. Yeah. So I guess in extreme circumstances, she can actually be faster if she has to. But then it and uh, well, I guess by this time the technology would be newer. Yeah. Um, she can detect most sounds regardless of volume or frequency. And uh, she, like Steve, she can jump three stories and run very fast. So there you go. As an extra note, her bionic skin cannot tan with exposures to sunlight. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Oh, well, damn. <laughs> I actually preferred bionic woman over $6 million man, I must say. Um, it's Not int- just because she was hot, but because it was, it, she had more. She had funnier adventures, I thought. It's interesting because a lot of the science fiction from the previous decade is it's all afraid of computers taking over the world and people turning into robots. But there, this, this show sort of embraces technology and said, look how it can make yeah. us better. Now, as, uh, as per the, uh, the continuity of the show, we're actually going to give Jamie Maximilian, the German Shepherd, because he is part of, he's part of her show, right? So they're a team. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, 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 going, I'm going with it. I'm sticking well, with it. Well, if, if He-Man can have Battle Cat. Yeah, He-Man have Battle Cat. Yeah. So, yeah, so Maximilian, who was uh, one of the original test lab animals, uh, is a German Shepherd. And can, he could also run at uh, 90 miles per hour. Um, but that's that's it. It's just the, it's, he also had uh, he also had a bionic jaw, but that he used to most often it was just used just to bend bars to get Jamie out and stuff. So there you go. Not used to rip people's throats out. No, no. Well, you're not going to rip throats out on a kids' TV show. But uh, my favorite part, the favorite thing that he ever done actually is he actually he used to latch. If they tried to get away in a car, he'd latch onto the back of the car and then basically just sort of brace and just hold it in place and growl. <laughs> Great stuff. Cool. So there you go. Maximilian versus Herbie. Maximilian versus Herbie. <laughs> nice. Maximilian versus Battle Cat. <laughs> cool. So there you go. There's the combatants. The arena. Just how big is the arena, folks? Let's see how you've been paying attention. It's, it's four New York blocks. Nice. Which is how big? It's, Which is either in a dome or in a cube. We are not sure. <laughs> I think it's spherical. We change that every week. Yeah, I think it's it changes spherical. every it's time. It's spheroid. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, it is indeed four city blocks of uh, New York, which is 1,800 by 1,800 feet cube. Um, it is in a, funnily enough, in a dome. <laughs> or a bleak sphere. I don't know, whatever. Uh, and a, so the force field reaches up 700 kilometers, which is... Into space. Into space. Uh, the combatants. Now, uh, story-wise, because they're actual, you know, friends and uh, they were actually going to get married at some point, why are they fighting? I have is, no is, idea. She, is she mad at him for a, a, the, probably the worst date ever? <laughs> it's not like he tampered with her parachute. <laughs> Yeah, or did he? Yeah, <laughs> just suspects that he tampered with her parachute. <laughs> they actually get together again in the TV in the TV movies. Okay, I need I need a quick story idea for why they're fighting. Do you reckon they've been mind controlled? Well, they're trying to win our competition, of course. Is that what it is? Yeah. Remember that the winner gets whatever they want. Okay. Cool. All right. So they so they're in the fight because they get whatever they want. Their greatest wish what- granted. So it's going to be non-lethal. They're not going to want to hurt each other. Yeah, we've got that clause yeah. that get them down for a minute and a half. Yeah, what what what, what we'll do is we'll say that uh, they actually don't know who the combatant is at the beginning until they actually come up across each other, and then it's like, oh my god, well, the Steve, cosmic joke. Steve would just refuse to fight because he's a gentleman. <laughs> yeah, Steve would just not fight. This 
Was, was that Max the taxi? <laughs> Jamie would win. Tried to fall. <laughs> All right, so they don't well, know who the, they don't know who the other combatant is. Each one of them just assumes it's Deadpool. <laughs> they, 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 they no, travel, Deadpool, go away. They travel through the city, and uh, well, I'm going to say that we're going to say yeah, I'm going to say that Jamie and Max find Steve before Steve finds them, because Max can range out and track. Oh my she god, hear. Steve! And she can hear him. <laughs> I like that. Do it again. Oh my god, it's Steve! Oh no. I have to fight Jamie, the love of my life. My God, you sound like David. I know, because David sounds like a man. <laughs> sounds a lot like Deadpool, too. <laughs> oh, don't pick up my Deadpool. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, cool. So there they are. So what What advantages do the... what In in your eyes, what advantages do one does one have over the other? Well, Max well, Max is the big advantage for Jamie, because uh, it's basically two on one. Well, one and a half on one. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, Steve's not going to want to hurt her too bad. He's just going to just wants to disable her. But Max won't want to hurt. Won't want to hurt Steve. Uh, I don't know. He's he's loyalties. <laughs> his loyalties to Jamie more than it is to Steve. Or maybe if he perceives Steve as threatening his human. Yep. I reckon Max is going to attack first. So Max Max gets him in one of those jaw grip things. Yeah, he jumps in for to tries to get one of those one of those jaw grips thing, uh, and Steve just kicks him out of the way. Bites his throat out immediately. Sorry, bites his throat out. He goes straight for the jugular immediately. <laughs> you reckon Jack, Max is just not mucking around? <laughs> oh, dude, I've got it. I've got it. I've worked it out. Deadpool. No. <laughs> Deadpool. What was you? What were you going to say though? I want to hear it. All right. So Deadpool, right? He's annoyed that he's not in this fight. Once again, there's another fight, and I'm not involved. What's that about? So he. If they don't get you to play Deadpool in this movie, there's something seriously. <laughs> well, they've already got Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just mean and horrible. Um, so so he uh, he tampers with Maximilian somehow. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but Tanner's with Maximilian and makes uh, him vicious and horrible. No, that's not fair. <laughs> you can't just bring Deadpool in to break the rules whenever you feel like. That's yeah, what Deadpool's yeah, all about. Yeah. Deadpool's all about breaking the rules. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, 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 I vote no Deadpool. Oh, uh, come on! For one match, for one match. <laughs> all right, fine. No Deadpool. Deadpool like storms up, the, storms in, like slams up the door. Another fight where I'm not involved, and then instantly he's, the door slams in his face. There you go. Deadpool's not in this fight. <laughs> so back to the fight. So Maximilian attacks first. It's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty obvious. Steve is busy taking him out, and then so Jamie jumps in, both to defend Max and to take to Steve out. Jamie knocks out Steve. He's down for a minute and a half. Jamie wins. This is the quickest Connors of Champions I've ever seen. <laughs> as funny as I thought this was going to be, this is a major flop for me. This is the worst decision I've made. If you give in. Jamie Maximilian, she's just, just going to win. That's just Even without Maximilian, I think Jamie would win. How would she win without him? Because uh, Steve won't want to hurt her. Steve would let her win. Yeah. Mm. Regardless if she was winning or not, he won't want to hurt her. What I do want to have. Even if they're... All right, well, let's go with this. All right, so let's talk. Let's don't go with the scenario as far as official. Yep. But if they were mind-controlled, and they were both fighting to the death with no reasoning... Is Maximilian also mind-controlled? Uh, yeah. Well, then, Jamie and Max. Because Max will just yeah, go straight to the throat. Yeah, yep. and that's, he's gone. What about, what, about no, what about no Max? No Max? 
Steve. Yeah. And and how do you why do you say that? Is he stronger? Well, the parts are bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. If they were like, I'm going to spend six million dollars to rebuild you, you'd want to at least at least dedicate twenty grand, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lee Majors doesn't need any enhancement. The man's there. And only said his legs didn't work. All right, so so, so which one do you want to go with? Because I mean, that's I mean, I, I mean, in all seriousness, if they're mind controlled, and it's yeah. it's to the death with Max, it's Jamie and Max all the way. Without Max, I think it's Steve. I just think I he's, think... I think he's stronger, faster, and no, more ruthless. No, he's not faster. He can't. Un- but he's not faster. Yeah. Car. She only did that in one episode. She did it though. Yeah, but that, that's that's. Steve I think that's never did continuity. Yeah. There. Okay. No, we did. All right. I I accept. All right. So. And then are they the same strength or is he stronger? Like, is it like is there an official? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to start any controversy, but <laughs> it's portrayed yes, in the show. As a man, yeah. he is stronger. Okay. I'm not saying women can't be stronger. I'm just saying I just I think it's as they are portrayed in the shows. He is yeah, I'm not. I'm not setting you up. I'm not, I'm not baiting the question here. I'm really. Asking. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I do want to happen during this fight is that they both throw a punch at each other with their bionic arms, they, they and they this. and they hit at the same time and and cause damage to each other's arms. That's Shazam! I want. I want that to happen. <laughs> um, I, I think we should go with whether they're mind controlled or not. We'll say Max is there, and I think that gives. I think that gives her the edge to win. Right. Jamie wins. I'm agreeing. I agree with that. I agree with that. So, mind controlled. Max is there. He just goes straight for the jug. He's busy fighting Max off. Jamie comes in. Takes him bang, out. bang, bang. Takes him out. That was quick and easy. Yep. That was a very anticlimactic contest of champions. Quick and easy. Quick and easy. And we'll say Max dies during the fight. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why kill the dog? <laughs> just to sort of just to cause a bit of controversy. Max is dead. So this episode will get banned. <laughs> Steve is down for the count. JB wins. Victory. <laughs> it's a good band, like Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust star. <laughs> Animals were harmed in this production. <laughs> Imaginary ones, anyway. Cool, so that's victory for Jamie. She will progress to the next round. I apologise for everybody who uh, didn't find this fight very funny. But uh, we enjoyed it. <laughs> it's a difficult. It's a difficult fight. It, it really is. It is. It's yeah. a difficult. One. I, I but you would... know what's you know what's good about it though yeah. is that Jamie, Jamie and Max now are in the running against some of the other winners in the bracket. That's right. And I think that'll make it an interesting fight. All right. Cool. All right. So, all right. Max didn't die. Well, even if he did die, they just brought him back to life anyway. Uh, another three, <laughs> three, three million. Three million yeah, another three million. Becky comes. Chump change. It would be enhancements. Laser eyes. Well, as, 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 as part of her winning, that, that, that we bring it, yeah, the contest organisers bring it back to life. All right, cool. That's, yeah, fair enough. So that's uh, round four taken care of. Jamie and Max have uh, come out the victor. Uh, the next round is, is round five. So we actually moved on to our next tier now. So the winners, so the winner from round one and round two actually now move on to the next, the next round, which is round five. And that would so that means that it's X twenty three versus Deadpool. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I didn't know this was gonna happen. Yep, so X twenty three versus Deadpool. Get your votes in. Voting starts now. This one I'm handing out for. 
This one, that that's a really good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. I think X, X actually has a chance. Yeah, I, I think um, I think there'll be a lot more interest in that one too. That's a really good one. Oh, this guy. So my round four wasn't interesting. Is that what you're saying? You no, hate, no, no, no. Is what you say? I mean, I think we're gonna get the uh, we're gonna get the comment debate going again. I think is what I mean. Yeah, the comments, the comment, the lack of comments was disappointing. But hey, you know, if it's not interesting, that's it's not a interesting. tough one though. Yeah, that, what can you that, do? That, yeah, that's fine. I, I don't blame. I don't blame our listeners. I love our listeners. I don't blame them. I blame myself for a boring fight. That's what it is. <laughs> it's not dead, boring, and I blame Deadpool as well. It's really tough. It's too tough to call, man. Yeah, fair. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Okay, so let's uh, move on to Azerothian times. <laughs> Why did you do this, Laura Daughter sound? Because that's what came out. <laughs> <laughs> bom, bom. <laughs> Hilarious. Cool, so Azeroth in times, we've got a lot to talk about. So uh, apologies to the non-Warcraft players, but uh, let's let's get it out there. Azeroth in times, starting off with patch 6.1 is now live. It's introduced yes. um, follower mission ability indicators, which is awesome. Uh, so if you hover over the follower mission, it tells you what you need to have and whether you actually have it available to you, which is pretty cool. Uh, it introduced the selfie camera, which is ridiculous, but people love it. Have you gotten yours yet? I've got one on every single character that has a garrison. Mother, like, oh my god, I almost cussed. I can't, <laughs> I still have not gotten one. That's ridiculous. I'm like the only person I know that was excited about oh, this. Thing. You have to keep doing your rare. One. You have to keep doing your rare missions. Have you got any rare missions? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Make, I make think sure so. you do. Make sure you do any one that's flagged as rare, and then once Just they clear out, the you'll eventually get it into the queue. Okay. Yeah. So I've got it on every character, and, and I haven't used it once. I've, I mean, I've clicked, I've used it in terms of to see the you know what it does, but I haven't actually taken any photos. Actually, I don't quite. I don't like the 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 arm looks kind of elongated. I don't know. It's kind of weird. And but uh, I do very much like the the facial animation changes. <laughs> like like I did yeah. it. I did it with my mage Zalasta, who you know I try to. I I do like sort of mini role playing in the game, and, and I sort of I try to. Pretend that Zelaster is quite like the character that I've based him on in, out of the novel. So he's quite severe and stern, and you know, not very friendly, and all that sort of stuff. And but then he does the yeah. selfie thing. And he's doing these stupid smiles and winks and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, this just does not work. But you know, that's fine. Um, so yeah, so quite people like it, and it's um, it's strange. I do find it strange that it's not classified as a toy until you upgrade it. So when you upgrade yeah. it to Mark II, it then becomes a toy and goes into your toy box. So. It, yeah, it's I bizarre. Know. I don't know why it's that way. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So, so it's now I've got you know every character's going. Uh, and also introduced a legendary follower. So that's pretty cool. So Garona half half walking, um, who in the Warlords of Draenor timeline, she's the one that tries to kill Medivh, and they capture her. Um, and he then spends a lot of time trying to uh, take away the mind control spells that um, Gul'dan's been using on her. Um, in the main World of Warcraft universe, she is, of course, the one who kills uh, King Ring. So, who basically kills the King of Stormwind. Uh, so, she, her, I mean, she becomes Gul'dan's assassin and uh, goes on to cause uh, quite a lot of havoc. Uh, but, so, yeah, so she's now available as a, as a bit of, bit of lore nerdage for you. But, uh, yeah, so she's, uh, she's the first legendary follower. You need to finish the, you need to get up to the 690 ring. So, so uh, Medivh's legendary ring quest line once you've done all the elemental runes uh and finished that off and got your 690 ring then uh garona becomes available 
Uh, I think you have to do one other thing to get it. I, was like, I actually don't have it yet because I haven't finished the elemental runes yet because I only LFR and LFR, the thing that I need to finish the quest is in the next stage of LFR, which isn't open yet. Um, so uh, some people do have it, so apparently she kicked a lot of butt. I'm like over halfway through of my runes, but I'm, I'm still working on it. But I, I got to... All right, so what if, what if they give you a character as a follower just so that you use her and you get attached to her and then as part of the storyline she like betrays you somehow and there's like a cinematic in your garrison that'd be neat that would be cool man that would be as cool as the followers getting captured in dungeons you have to go find them yeah i know right which has not happened yeah i mean screw the dance studio give us the followers getting captured (laughs) i think they've given up on the dance studio at this point and also the (laughs) bloody the the I can't remember if this was our idea or their idea, but didn't we say something about a wardrobe? That's oh, yeah. our idea. Yeah, originally they were Your saying idea. they were, yeah. were going to put the, the tabards, you could put all the tabards into a wardrobe type stuff, stuff, and we enhanced it yeah. by saying that you should be able to put soulbound clothes in there so people, you know, so you can use it for transmog. Yep. You can still have, yeah. that, you can still have that idea, Blizz. Take it. It's fine. I do listen. Well, the, the soulbound <laughs> thing was our idea, but they yeah. did say that they were going to revamp the way that worked, Yeah. and and we haven't seen it yet, so no. we don't we don't know what's going to happen. Bastards. But. Uh, Six point one also uh, did you know the, the typical sort of you know nerfing and class changes and all that sort of stuff that they usually do, uh, but uh, overall it was all right. I can't I can't think of anything that I'm that I can complain about in terms of the class changes. It's all pretty much the same. Uh, my my mage probably got better. You know, like um, one of my favorite spells as a mage in Warlords was that Comet Storm thing where it shoots the comets down from the sky. Uh-huh. But it was so bad before that nobody used it because it just didn't do enough damage. It wasn't comparable to the other two. It re- really, it wasn't comparable to the other one. You really use Comet Storm or you use the Arcane Crystal thing, whatever it's called. Yeah. Prismatic Crystal. Well, in, in 6.1, they actually buffed the uh, Comet Storm. And on certain fights, it actually comes out ahead. So um, I'm using Comet Storm again, Storm again, so I'm happy about that. But there's still a lot of people out there that don't realize it got a buff, and they're like, why are you using Comet Storm? And I'm like, it's none of your damn business. You know. <laughs> it goes on people, and on. I love it when people who aren't your class <laughs> t- t- tell you how to play your class. And it's like, look, just look at the DPS ranking, dude. It's all good. <laughs> I don't need yeah. you to tell me what, I, what I'm doing. Stuff like that. Anyway, I find, I find <laughs> people like that funny. Uh, the With the uh, patch, of course, you had the, the typical Warcraft patching issues. I, mean, I, I think it's. I think it's basically. It's. I think it's fair to say at this point that with the amount of money Blizzard has, that uh, they really do need to get their act together on this on this patch and stuff. Like the patch was, the patch issue was just downright stupid. And uh, what uh, what problem were people having? Uh, well, it's it's all it's all related to the launcher. I think it's basically the launcher has uh, a service constantly running called um, uh, the, the agent. Something the something agent. And yeah, uh, yeah. that basically wasn't wasn't registering the fact that it was meant to be downloading and then done wasn't registering the fact that it finished downloading. Luckily enough, because I don't patch like the second the patch is available because I'm usually I'm asleep at that point um, or at work. So by the time I get back from work and apply the patch, they've, they've usually figured out what the problems are. Um, and so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that hard. I basically just had to just stop the stop and restart the service. So, you know, task manager, service, bang, and bang, away I went, and on I was. Um, but it's just a bit other people they you know the, the early adapters they didn't have that so they were you know that some some people even went so far as to uninstall and reinstall the game and 
you know, which takes bloody ages, you know, stuff like that. So, but I just, you know, yep. anyway, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's horrible to say that they really do need to sort of figure this stuff out. It's a bit ridiculous. I mean, it's they made a fixes. big difference on on Illidan. It was like, uh, I mean, even even like way after the launch, it there was queue times to get in, and they've introduced some sort of new technology where. Every all the all the major servers like Illidan and and the ones you know Area Fifty One or whatever, all the ones that have like the big uh, you know large numbers yeah. are actually two servers, and it's just it's you're really on either Illidan A or Illidan B, okay. and then they phase you together. And yeah. there is I, I have seen like a lot less crashes and a lot a lot less everything ever since they did that. Um, cool. But I what was the night that we crashed and we couldn't get back on? Yeah, when we were in ICC. Was was that before or after the patch? It was after. That was probably related to it somehow. Yeah, and god damn, that was annoying. Yeah, it was. I still went back. Still you still, went back. I, 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 went, I, I went back on the other the other day and um, my character was still sitting still sitting there. I know that wasn't ICC. No, that was um, Ulduar. That's right. It was yeah. like three bosses yeah. to kill in Ulduar. But uh, that leads me to my next uh, item, which is uh, you and I running stuff for Achieves. It's awesome. So we, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get the achievement mounts, you know. Yeah, it's the same here. I've been trying to get some mounts, and uh, so we ran uh, ICC 25 man. Got that one, yeah. And uh, so I got, I've got my uh, ICC achievement mount. I still don't have uh, Invincible, which uh, the drop rate on that's insane. Uh, and also, we, and we also ran Old War, so I did what I needed to do to get my my two uh, Old War mounts, the the Drake. So it's pretty exciting. Pretty happy about that. And the uh, just just this morning, in fact, I got uh, the Anixia Drake, so that's pretty cool. No way! Yeah, fine. I just just <laughs> I just I was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm bored. I'll just go do Anixia. Just give it a shot. Why not? And bang! There wow. it was. I was like, yeah, so that's pretty cool. That is wild. I haven't been farming for that one yet. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and now I'm just now I'm basically just sort of going through trying to get uh, uh, the next the next news item, which is. Uh, some new battle pets. So they've released uh, some new battle pets uh, and uh, from um, Sunwell Plateau, uh, Black Temple, and unfortunately Hygel, Mount, the assault on Mount Hygel, which is ugh, terrible. Uh, so I've just uh, been trying to get uh, collect all those because you know what I'm like with battle pets. And just uh, just this oh, yeah. morning I got the last one from Black Temple, so I don't have to go there anymore, thank God. And uh, I've got one more to go from Sunwell and then... And then I'll stick with, and I'll try and do Hydra, which just takes forever. It's a drainer. Have you heard about the um, the Time Walker thing? No. What's that? So they, uh, Chris Metz, I, eh, I don't remember who it was. Someone was talking about this idea called, they, they were codenaming it Time Walker. Um, and it basically was like you could, and we've kind of talked about this concept before, but they're talking about it like officially now where you can scale yourself down to a certain raid instance. And the thing that they were talking about that was kind of different this time was that they would, like, revamp, say, ICC, for example. They would revamp ICC um, so that the abilities and things for the bosses are a little different than they are now. So you can't just walk in and, and um, you know, know the fights right offhand. And the rewards would be something related to your character now. So they didn't come out and say gear. They didn't say it was going to drop 680 gear or anything like that. But um, basically, like, it would give some sort of re- reward that would be relevant relevant to your character now. 
and it would scale you down to you know level seventy or or you know whatever was appropriate for that raid. Um, yeah, cool. And they would they would kind of do it in phases so that they wouldn't. I'm sure they're not just going to release their whole catalog of raids all at once. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's a that's a thing that they're actually considering. That would be freaking awesome if mm. they did that. I, I don't I don't know. Whatever the reward is, I would probably be into doing that. Yeah, I totally totally would be doing that. To to be able to run Nax again at level would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, at level and, and and you know, it's impossible to have the exact same experience again because like just abilities are different now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if they changed it but it's still they changed the mechanics but it still felt the same. I mean, that would that would really be a cool thing. And I and I think that would bring a lot of players back too. I think a lot of people would enjoy that. Totally. Uh, there's a new recruiter friend mount, uh, the Cinder Main Charger, which looks pretty cool. So if you're if you're looking at doing uh, recruiter friend, grab that mount. Uh, they've in, they've uh, talked about doing a subscription time for gold business in patch six one two. You can buy a token using game gain gold, uh, which then can be used for subscription time. And then the flip side of that is you can use real money to buy tokens that you can then sell to a vendor in game for gold. They're basically just they're putting a stamp down on uh, the the scammers and their subscription time business and their you know gold buying and stuff like that so uh the other things they introduced uh, in r6.1 sorry i forgot to mention they introduced the heirlooms collections thing so you can now uh you, or you, if you have any heirlooms you now have an heirlooms tab uh in this collections tab along with the pets and mounts and stuff uh, and um you can now buy the heirlooms for gold from a vendor in uh, iron forge or uh, Undercity, and uh, you can upgrade them. Uh, use there's items, there's quests and and items that you can buy where you can actually upgrade them so that they become level 100. So you can actually use them for in uh, Warlords Drainer and they scale appropriately. That's pretty cool. I haven't done that yet because the item that upgrades it to 100 is uh, 5,000 gold, which is a bit ridiculous. So there's that. And uh, last but not least, player called Double Agent has managed to get to level 100 as a Pandaren without picking a faction. So as, you, as, a pan, as a Pandaren, you get to you at level ten. You get to pick whether you want uh, it to be the Alliance or Horde. And then you go off and enjoy that. Uh, there's uh, association and the and the quest line. But he uh, decided. We've talked about him before in the past. But he's decided he doesn't want to pick a uh, a side. He wants to stay as a, pan, a neutral Pandaren. And so he's been oh, leveling by leveling by collecting herbs and um, pet battles and you know various other stuff in order to sort of gain ex, you know, experience. You know, and uh, he yeah he hit one hundred. Um, a short time ago, last week, and uh, that's that is it's that is so crazy. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. I can't fathom just how boring that would have been. How but, long do you think it took him? Oh, it would have taken bloody ages. But it's such, it's an achievement. I mean, I, I I do applaud him for his his perseverance. You know what I mean? Oh, you know I, mean? I love the fact that this guy exists. Yeah. Like it, it, it the the fact that someone could do this is yeah. amazing. Exactly. So it's yeah, so so congratulations, double agent. It really is. It's it's uh, it's pretty amazing stuff, and uh, we do applaud you. I think you're crazy, <laughs> but I do applaud you. <laughs> it's great what stuff. happens if he walks into ICC? Is it that nothing attacks him, or is it that even the uh, NPCs at the beginning attack him? Oh, he can't even do that because it doesn't know which NPCs to, to bring up if he's not a Horde or Alliance. Ooh. I literally don't know what this guy does. That's fascinating. All he can do is pick herbs. <laughs> so that's it for Azerothian Times. Uh, next up, we've got our interview with Mr. Keith Ajuice from Wormwood, Road of the Dead. Uh, have a listen and then come back. It's, uh, it's a great interview. He was awesome. 
something in the air that's changing people. I need you to get me to Bulla Bulla. Why? Get his sister. You get to see what the adults do after dark. Oi! Don't come inside! There's fucking zombies everywhere! Yeah, okay. Hi, this is David, and uh, I'm here with the esteemed Mr. Keith Ajuice. A juice. A juice. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm, it's uh, it's like a running gag that I'm hopeless with last names, but I got that pretty good. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that's the the correct uh, Maltese um, pronunciation. But uh, for all you Aussies out there, it's ages. Ages. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see with that. It's, it's, uh, so, so Keith, um, thank you very much for talking to us. So uh, you're, you're you're talking to us uh, on on the back of my review of uh, Wormwood Road of the mm-hmm. Dead. Yep. Um, which uh, which I loved. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. It was, it, was, it was great stuff. And, and uh, I did mention in the review that I especially loved uh, the character of Frank, who is which who you played. Good old Frankie. Good old yeah. Frank. <laughs> Frankie is just hilarious. Actually, I've watched it again since then. That's three times I've seen it now. I'm trying to support oh, wow. you, support you guys as much as I can. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah. uh, Frankie, just it just blows me away. I mean, I, I don't want to give in, give away too much because I want people to see it themselves and experience yeah. it. But I just, okay. just okay. That, so, I just love so that scene. No spoilers. No spoilers. I'll, I'll try and be as spoiler as free as possible. But okay. I just love the scene where you've met you've met Barry and uh, Benny. Yep. Um and your friend has had his accident. Oh yes. Yeah, and he yes. asks, and he asks you, he's like, you know, is he asks you about the accident? So I don't want to oh, give it away, yes. but you know what I mean. And just the deadpan look on your face is just, it's like, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> it gets me every time. Poor old Kelly. Yeah. Cool. Well, we, we we love that that scene too because it's uh, it, it it's um, it's quite comic in its in its effect, but uh, it's so tragic at the same time. So yeah, I and think that sort of. Uh, that occurs quite a lot throughout the film. You know, one yeah. minute you'll have this amazing tragic event, and then it's broken by by uh, humour. Yeah, um, and it's very Australian, obviously. That's it. It's so Australian. It's the the yeah. humour is is spot on Australian. I mean, I, I, I said in my review, and I stand by it. It's basically that's it is exactly how country Australia would react to a zombie invasion. <laughs> I mean, I have no doubt in my mind it's exactly what you would do. Yeah, just pick up anything that uh, is lying around and. It's, and go for them. And just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and, it had, and of course, it has those cool twists, you know, with the with the uh, the zombies providing the the fuel for the cars. And oh and, yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. That, and, that's that that idea uh, came from uh, Kia and Tristan because um, they wanted to find a point of difference uh, with uh, the zombies in our in our uh, film. Yeah, and uh, you know they were they were uh, thinking about it. Uh, for quite a while, and then you know Tristan, after a few beers, um, <laughs> came up with the idea, and and Kia said, "Yes, yes, <laughs> fuck, let's do it." <laughs> so um, you know they 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 got the the the, the, the truck or as we call it the yeah. beast, the um, beast from yeah. eBay, and um, got all his mates around, and they um, they did a, a job on it and uh, turned it into a zombie truck. It's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, uh, awesome. did you did you get to keep the uh, harpoon gun? Uh, I didn't get to keep it. No, oh. I mean I'm sure they're they're going to save it for the sequel. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, but uh, it, it's it's a pretty mean harpoon, that's for sure. I do like how IMDb has already announced the sequel. I know, I know. Where did they get that from? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, isn't because I mean, I read that uh, Kira and Tristan's next film is a ghost story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're in that, right? Yeah, yeah. Kira's writing me uh, a role in in it. Um, can't really give too much away yet. Um, right. I mean, I I haven't seen um, any of the script yet. They're about halfway through it. Well, yeah. Wormwood's described as as um, zombies meets Mad Max. Yeah. Did you do a similar sort of thing for the ghost movie without giving too much away? So, like, something meets um, something? I mean, the, the way Kier and Tristan uh, describe it is sort of like uh, an R-rated version of Ghostbusters. Um, okay. <laughs> with a bit of steampunk and uh, and uh, a few other influences. It's sort of going to be a little bit of a mash-up like, uh, like Wormwood is. Um, but, uh, look, I, I'm only guessing... Um, it's all in their heads, and yeah. and uh, those boys uh, come up with some amazing, amazing um, ideas. So uh, oh. let's just wait and see. But yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, the script when, uh, or the first first draft of it when they complete it. And did you did you know them before the film? Uh, no, no. I uh, I met Keir um, initially through Jay Gallagher, who plays um, Barry. Barry. Yeah. And uh, Jay. And I had worked previously together, and he's a, also a NIDA grad. And uh, when Kia was, you know, uh, wanting to cast the film, um, he relied on Jay basically, uh, and said, "Look, Jay, go out there and 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 find some people who you really, um, their work that you really like, but also who you'd like to work with as well." Ooh. So um, yeah, he just uh, he just gave me a call and said, uh, "Oh, look, here's." Um, uh, uh, looking uh, for some actors, and I, I suggested you for Frank. Um, here's, uh, here's the script. Um, here's some uh, clips from some previous uh, work of Kia's, and uh, and I, I had a look at it all. Had read the script, and I said, "When when do I meet him?" That's cool. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, we just organised a, a, a bit of a sort of a coffee meal in Leichhardt in Sydney. Um, met up with Kia. Um, we got on like a house on fire, and mm. he basically gave me the role on that night. Yeah. Wow. How's, yeah. That, how's that for an audition? Well, yeah, like I, I hate auditions, so yeah. um, that was the perfect way to be cast, <laughs> I reckon. Yeah. yeah. It is. It is a. It's a cool little film. I. I just think it's a classic. It's destined to be a classic Aussie film that that you know any anybody can enjoy. It's not just, but and it's, it seems to be doing really really well overseas in terms of yeah. reviews yeah, and stuff like that. It's turning out to be a bit of a cult uh, classic, uh, and, and we're definitely doing so well overseas. Um, yeah. I mean, my Twitter feed is just going crazy um, with all the uh, the fans uh, after they've seen the film, and uh, we just we just finished a week in Hollywood and uh, a week down in San uh, Santa Ana, I think it is, just south of of LA, um, and they've extended the season. Oh, that's awesome. Um, there's a whole lot of other places. Um, Tucson, Arizona, um, New York's already had a season. I mean, it's, it's popping up all over the place. It's sort of like what happened with uh, the Babadook. Yeah, um, is the, uh, has the same um, uh, distributor as as us. I, IFC Midnight over there, and uh, it's just picking up momentum, uh, and more and more cinemas are taking it on over there. Yeah, uh, and there's a huge, huge following over there for for horror. And that that genre, as genre, and zombies, of course. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean the Babadook. I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually my favourite film of uh, 2014, and just it was 
other was magnificent stuff and and it's, it's really good to see the sort of overseas audiences embracing the strain film it's just, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, some people don't get our humor um and you know there's there's been reviews out there that have panned it and you know but you get that you know, yeah. whenever you put a, you know, a piece of art out there even the the, the scots uh, we just did uh, fright fest over in glasgow awesome and and the, the scots apparently were up on their feet cheering and clapping um they loved it loved it but they just saw this it's sort of their their humor isn't it oh yeah yeah <laughs> very irreverent yeah <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know i mean once again without trying to give any spoilers away but uh frank's emergency medical kit supplies Oh yeah, I mean yeah. it's just it's just Aussie. It's, I mean, it's, I'm surprised the whole audience didn't get jump up with Aussie, Aussie, Aussie at the end. That's it. Well, when the, when the trailer came out, I mean that, that that was the one line that was quoted the whole time after people had seen it. Um, so yeah, I'm really pleased about that. It's uh, and it's 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 again that that sort of humour that you get after a tragic situation. You know, it just breaks. Um, the tension uh, with a yeah. laugh, and there's a lot of that going on, especially with me and Benny. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and Leon is incredible; such, such fun to work with. So, the, um, so, and it's a great cast. I mean, like like you said, Benny, uh, Leon, uh, Leon Birchall. Yeah. Um, have you guys ever worked before? Never, never. Oh, okay. no, no, but you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, a Nida grad as well. I mean, there's so many of us in it that have uh, have gone through that institution. So we sort of all work on on a, on a similar sort of. Um, technique, I suppose. Yeah. Um, we have a, a similar language uh, when we're on set, uh, as far as uh, dealing with the script and solving problems, etc. Um, no, there was a lot of that too. I mean, we we did a lot of uh, workshopping of the script uh, and uh, a lot of improvisation as well. Oh, so there, so, so there is a lot of improvisation. I, I get the feeling that so, that some of the dialogue was improvised. Yeah, a little, a little bit of it. Um, uh, whenever we ended up on, on set, uh, and things would change uh, quite quickly because Keir was shooting very, very quickly. You know, some days there were like 100 setups in one day, mm. um, which is huge for a feature film. Um, and we just sort of powered through it. But, you know, we had to solve problems uh, pretty quickly. And, you know, we had this, the, the same language uh, uh, when we were solving the problem. So, uh, you know, we, we just we just came up with new lines if we needed them and rewrote as we went along. You didn't actually have any scenes with her, but uh, Brooke as well? Oh, Bianca. Yeah. yeah, Bianca, yeah. She was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't get to work on any side of that uh, that plot. Um, uh, the, only, you know, the, the only person I, I knew prior uh, to that was... Um, Baron, Baron Schwert, who uh, is a very close friend of mine. I've worked with him many, many times, and I've directed and acted with him, um, especially in Shakespeare. And um, uh, when Keir was asking me, uh, who, who do you reckon could play the Doctor? <laughs> that was the first person's <laughs> name that, that came up. Right. Uh, if you meet Baron, you would just go, yes, of course, a mad scientist. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> is that a compliment? He, can, or? he can sing and dance as well. <laughs> So when I when I did a review, I, I mentioned that um, I I wasn't very wasn't familiar with with most of the cast, but I actually, but you were one of the 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 one that I actually do remember from previous work, and that was Phoenix, the TV series. Oh God, that was a while back. That it was, was a bit. I loved that show. Yeah, yeah it was, wasn't it great? Yeah, it was yeah. an awesome show, and and you played uh, now is it just Docket? Was that your Docket, name? Docket, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, memory. Yeah, yeah, Docket. Yeah, I was a a pretty mean little. Uh, Little uh, um, major crime squad detective. Yeah. Apparently, uh, 
his that 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 guy that I was playing was a, a, a real character. Apparently, he ended up in jail. Um, yeah, that, that was the thing with Phoenix. Is it was sort of based on sort of based on real events, sort of real people, sort of stuff, but yeah. fictionalized versions of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah did you yeah. did you did you ever meet the real life version of you? Uh, no, I didn't. No, okay, no, right. unfortunately, I didn't. But uh, yeah, the, the the writers were incredible, and uh, they did a lot of great research on it. But uh, yeah, it was one of those really special um, productions. I thought um, it really stood out. Um, since then, you know, there's very few that that sort of have that sort of uh, great ensemble, yeah, uh, and great writing and great actors and yeah. Great but I've, I've got it all on DVD. It's all, it's all, it's <laughs> all memories. Posterity. Do you ever, do you ever pop it in and, and, and like you know, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do, and I've, I've, I've loaned it to a, a few people as well who've uh, heard about it but hadn't seen it. Uh, That's so, so interesting. I mean, I've, I've done quite a few uh, interviews over the years, and, and almost all of them say they don't, they don't like watching their old stuff. Uh, you're the yeah, first person yeah. ever well, said, "Yeah, I watch it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't mind it. I mean, I'm, I'm a lot older now, so um, I suppose when when I first did it, I found it very difficult to watch myself on screen. Uh, but but these days, um, it's not such a problem, and, and I really actually enjoyed watching. Um, uh, Wormwood uh, on the big screen that was that was huge um, yeah. especially when we um, we premiered it at uh, the Moonlight Cinema on the um, the 6th of uh, February to 1500 people awesome <laughs> it was awesome yeah. so how much uh, how much input did you have in, into the character of Frank was that at the, I mean the Mo that's is that was that your idea oh yeah that was my idea awesome yeah, yeah. well he sort of said to me he said well, you know he's sort of like a you know, you're probably an ex-bikey or something like that. And I went, oh, okay, okay. He said, but, you know, it's up to you what you do with the backstory. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had the lines there, but, um, you know, I had to sort of flesh it out a bit. So I, you know, I researched into a few different uh, bikey gangs back in back in the day. And, uh, and, I, and I've always wanted to have a, a handlebar moustache and see what it looks like. So It looked uh, good, man. Yeah, yeah, I grew <laughs> that. And, and, uh, and funnily enough, I, I've, around my, my chin area... Uh, it just goes white. Yeah. Um, uh, so at the tips of the of the the handlebar moustache were these little white tips. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. So it is cool. Yeah. 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 And you sort of got to find something about a character that really sort of uh, um, gets you into it. And and it was the look. I always go quite visual. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was the look of that that um, made me find Frank. That's awesome. Yeah. And have you got have you got any uh, other highlights from from your career? I mean. It's, I mean, it's, uh, oh look, I I've done a lot of theatre. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've done a lot of TV as well. But uh, uh, you mentioned Shakespeare before. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, I've I've done heaps and heaps of Shakespeare. I've directed Shakespeare. Um, I've I've worked very closely with a couple of companies, uh, the Bell Shakespeare Company. Awesome. Uh, last year we did Henry V, um, touring around the country. Um, I've also done Julius Caesar with them. I've done King Lear. I actually got to play King Lear um, in the matinees because John Bell was playing. Um, it was the 20th anniversary production of it um, in 2010, and uh, he was turning 70, and uh, he could only he could only do six shows a week. Yeah. So uh, they got me in to play uh, King Lear for the matinees uh, ah. for that, and that was like a, a six month tour. So um, at 40, I think I was 46 years old, I got to play King Lear. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, so th- that was a, a bit of a highlight. So yeah. I'll get, no, it's sort of like a dress rehearsal for me because 
obviously I was far too young for it, but uh, yeah, had to age up for it. But uh, did they have to get some makeup and stuff on you? No, no, I did a little bit of makeup, but I grew a really massive beard. Yeah, uh, um, and uh, I was I was wearing this sort of huge big um, fur coat that sort of had this huge train. And yeah, yeah, just yeah, a little bit of makeup sort of uh, can do wonders actually, and especially on a big stage uh, where you're playing to like you know 500 to a thousand people. Yeah. Um, you know, you can sort of get away with it if you know how to uh, transform. And I sort of uh, I enjoy sort of transforming when I when I perform. So as you can understand with Frank as well, Frank was yeah. was quite quite different to to Keith. Um, really. Yeah, yeah, there's little little bits and pieces of, of me in there, of course, but uh, I look at it and I go, oh, God, that looks like a totally different person. <laughs> <laughs> the power of acting. Yeah, yeah. Are you also in a um, Jackie Chan film, Mr. Nice Guy? Oh, yeah, that was a long, long time ago, and yeah. I think I ended up on most of it on the cutting room floor. So, oh, um, Yeah, there was only like a couple of scenes and that was it. Um, uh, but that, oh, I was quite young then, and... You know, I was just doing a whole lot of guesty sort of small roles at that stage, and especially with a feature film, uh, very hard to get something, uh, you know, huge, especially an international film. So, uh, yeah, I, I sort of look at Wormwood really as, as my debut into the film, the feature film world. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I've done a few bits and pieces, but mainly television. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the last, the last one I did was um, Paper Giants, The Birth of Cleo. Which did quite well. Oh, okay, uh, right, yeah. One, um, with about uh, Ida Buttrose. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I've, I've done, you know, things like Blue Healers and yeah. when that was on and, oh, the whole works. I mean, I think my first uh, TV was um, The Young Doctors, if you can never remember that. Wow. Sons and Daughters. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and um, A Country Practice. The uh, Aussie I Classics. A, I played a physiotherapist. Uh, in that, yeah, so you've got a huge varied career. <laughs> <laughs> it also, it, it, you've done you've done well, I think. And so with yeah. uh, with uh, Wormwood, you've been uh, to some Australian pre- uh, screenings. Well, yeah, I've been to uh, the obviously the uh, the Moonlight Cinema one. Yeah, uh, we did a Q and A at the Dendy Cinema in uh, Newtown mm-hmm. uh, on the thirteenth when we um, started the sort of cinema release around the country. Uh, Kia and Tristan just did last night in Canberra um, uh, with a Fanforce um, screening, uh, which is a, a company that are now um, it's sort of like um, crowdfunding for cinema. So uh, if you ever want uh, the movie to come to you, you, you register on the website where you are when you want the, the screening uh, and at the local cinema wherever you are. And uh, then you, uh, then Fanforce assist you to advertise it, and then you put it out there on social media, and you get a, you get a certain amount of people that will reach a tipping point mm. uh, where uh, it will make money, and uh, then the screening is confirmed. So That's we've got cool. about so what's what's, yeah. what's the URL for that? Uh, it's uh, fan hyphen force dot com. Uh, it's it's a, a new way of of, of getting uh, especially independent cinema out there. I mean, we've got great uh, distributors, mm. uh, but uh, we're you know we're we're trying a different different thing. So it seems to be working. We've got uh, 
three confirmed uh, bookings and uh, there's a whole host more that are um, working their way to the tipping point. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea, actually. It is an awesome idea. Especially, especially with Australian cinema. I mean, we just don't get big releases in this country. Well, I mean, uh, I, I, mean I, I, did, I did say before we started that I wouldn't get too controversial, but, I, but I've got to ask you, I mean, as, a, as a, an Australian actor... Yeah. Uh, in the Australian industry, what do you think of uh, the Australia's sort of? Uh, I can't think really think of the word, but sort of acceptance of Australian cinema. Like it seems we seem to get more respect overseas than we do in our, our own country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I think it may be. Uh, I think it's partly a, a tall poppy syndrome thing, mm-hmm. um, where you know. You know, if something does well overseas, everybody you know sits up and goes, "Oh, it must be good then." But you know, I don't, I don't think there's a great deal of pride from our side uh, for Australian cinema, and I'm, I'm not sure where that comes from. It is, it is definitely noticeable, though. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. I mean, you get, and I guess, I guess, I mean, I've heard, I've heard the argument that it's like, well, Australian cinema is all the same. You know, it's like it's always yeah. it's always a, you know it's a period drama or it's a drama of yeah. some kind. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. Well, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just not true. I just don't think that's true. No, I don't think it's true. But I think that the the ones that get the publicity, I suppose, or the or the marketing dollar, tend to be those sort of ones. And there's a whole lot that sort of go under the radar that yeah. you don't never you never hear about because there's no money thrown at them. Um, and a lot of the time, it's about marketing. You know, all these big blockbusters, you know, they, they have millions of dollars behind them. And, uh, you know, their marketing is, is all over the place. So, you you know, it, it, in Australian um, cinema just doesn't have the clout when it comes to that. Yeah. So just, you know, half the people don't hear about it. It's 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 funny. It's like we, and our, on our, our podcast, we have, right at the end, we, talk, we have a segment called Coming Soon and where we talk about the films that are going to come out. The next, yeah. the next Thursday after that episode airs, and yeah. one week we had because uh, because uh, one of our crew members is American. I, I do the Australian releases and he does the American releases. Yeah. And one episode, one episode we had, you know, Wormwood. So Wormwood's being released, you know, next week. Check it out, you know, blah blah. blah. And then the next week, uh, the coming, the American coming soon. Funnily enough, had Wormwood, and and it was it was weird. My reaction, I was actually shocked to hear that an Australian film. Was being released overseas at, at the same time as it was getting released here, and it was actually, you know, like on uh, available in sort of marketing and stuff like that. And it's and it's just, and it's just a shame, you know. What I mean, it's, just, it's such a shame that it's that sort yeah. of situation. It's like, yeah, I know, but I mean, you sort of you sort of get forced into that situation because I mean, I think with uh, some of the most recent Australian films, they they opened here first mm. without without any hype or any kind of uh, marketing. And uh, they bombed at the cinema, and yeah. uh, then they went overseas to the festivals and and had releases overseas, and and they're doing really well overseas. Yeah, uh, going back to the Bubba Duke. Yeah, that, like the Bubba That's exactly. Yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I think they, you know, care and just looked at that and and our, and our distributors and sort of we we sort of thought, well, um, maybe we sort of we you know we do the, the festival circuits first, get a bit of hype going. Yeah. Um, Release at the same time with the USA, um, and see, and, and then do this sort of one-off event screening uh, idea, you know, to create a bit of uh, mystique about it and get people going. Oh, have you heard about this this film, this uh, zombie film, and you know, and getting people uh, really interested that way, um, yeah. especially through social media. And you know, so I think it seems to be working. It's a, it's it's a bit of a slower burn, 
but you know we haven't actually released over in like Canada or or the UK proper yet or or Europe. Um, I think Germany is coming up very soon, but uh, um, it's it's going to probably take you know the whole year for it to sort of seep out into the world. But uh, yeah. um, it's certainly got some momentum to it. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm doing all I can to keep the momentum going. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we need, we need to get paid too. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't help with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apparently, we've got we've got it. Uh, I think in a couple of months, it, it should be flowing. So, nice. um, uh, you know, that'll be good. And can, keeping the momentum going for, and the awareness going for when the next the next film comes out. Well, yeah, yeah, and, you know, we've got yeah. to get that that going as well, and uh, can't wait to start on that one as well. That's um, awesome. Mm. Well, mm. we'll just um, so we'll, we'll finish up. If, and, uh, we've got a a patented question I, I do with every interview. Oh yes, yeah. that's the Nerd Culture Podcast question. Okay. All right. So if it, if it does, it's, it can be a bit of a stumper. So if you need to pause, oh, and really? out, that's oh. fine. All right, ready? Okay. If you were conducting this interview, what yeah. would be the one question that you would want asked of you? Um, the one question asked of me. Probably, why did you take a punt on an independent film, especially at the age of 51? <laughs> <laughs> you really um, 51 yeah, what, what made me want to do it in the first place? Yeah. Okay. So uh, what, what made you take a punt on an independent film? And, uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what drew you to the Wormwood Project? Um, I, I, think, I think the people behind it, especially, but especially Kia, because... Um, I don't know if you've seen his uh, short, that uh, award-winning short called Roadrunner. No, I haven't actually. It's just right. Um, it's when I when I reviewed the 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 film, I actually said that I don't think they've actually had any sort of film experience, and this is oh, like their yeah. first sort of thing. And I was completely wrong, completely yeah. wrong. <laughs> like after yeah, I, I, I remember hearing that, and I thought, oh yeah. wait a minute, David. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I actually, and this is, this is my chance for an official redaction. Oh, that, right. That, uh, they, no, he has, they actually have done some uh, some short films, and oh, like you just been, said. They've been making shorts since they were kids. Since they were kids, yeah. So I, was, yeah. I, don't, know, I don't know what the hell I was thinking when I said that. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so there, he's award-winning, award-winning short Roadrunner. Roadrunner, yeah. yeah. So um, I just, you know, look, look up Kia, Kia's name and, and, and put Roadrunner in Google search and, yeah. and find it in, uh, I think, Vimeo or uh, YouTube. It's great stuff. Um, oh, it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And... Uh, and also, they'd, they'd filmed uh, a couple of sort of teasers that were out on the internet before the film was completed. Yeah, I think there was a seven-minute one, and uh, and Jay Gallagher um, sent me a couple of other bits and pieces that uh, of the film that nobody had seen that had been filmed. So I got an idea of the, of the style of Kia's work and. And um, I just, I, my jaw dropped and I thought, I have to be part of this. Mm. I have to. And, the, you know, the wonderful actors, you know, which is such a great strength of the film. You know, I, I, I knew most of them uh, or, or their work. I knew, knew some of them personally, but uh, I knew their work and I admired it. So that was another reason to get on board. But I think my gut um, told me that this was going to go ballistic and I said that to Kia when I first met him. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I've done a lot of independent work before in theatre, um, especially. And, uh, you know, you just got to take a leap of faith sometimes. Yeah. And uh, especially in the film industry. I mean, the film industry in Australia is, is very small. Um, and as far as casting is concerned and getting, getting an opportunity to actually audition for a feature film is very difficult, even if you've had 
years and years and years of experience. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So even someone yeah. of your experience, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, wow. there, it's a huge struggle. Um, and, I, and I looked at this opportunity and I thought, well, it's now or never. I'm going to take a punt on it hmm. and uh, see what happens. And uh, I'm so glad I did. Yeah, so am I. Great, great choice. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Well, awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Keith. It's, it's been no an absolute stuff. pleasure talking to you. No worries. No worries. Any, any time. I, just, I wish you all the best and, uh, and good luck for the, the ghost film that you're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well you'll get the, the scoop uh, once I, I start reading the script. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right, thanks for your time, Keith. You have a good thanks. day. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Take care. Bye. So that was Keith. Great talking to you, Keith. It was really, really fun. Uh, hopefully, we'll also be able to talk to some of the other uh, cast members and uh, sort of complete my collection, my Wormwood collection. And uh, and I just I just uh, implore anybody who has the opportunity to uh, to go out and ch- to check out the film. Um, it's uh, it's a fun little Aussie flick, and uh, it's well worth your time. And uh, support support local industry. Let's finish up with coming soon. In Australian cinemas, March twelfth, we get Chappie, which is uh, what's his name, Noel Noel Blomkamp. Uh, Hugh Jackman gets to go full bogan. <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's about a sentient a sentient police robot, and you know what is sentience and all that sort of stuff. It and actually looks kind of interesting. Yeah, it looks alright. I don't know. I wasn't. I'm not. I'm just not. A, I'm not a big fan of District Nine or Elysium. So I, full bogan. <laughs> well, it's got Hugh Jackman in it, so that's good. Australia's over. Uh, a Little Chaos, which I know nothing about, so moving on. Kidnapping Mr. Heineken, which I assume is about them trying to kidnap the guy who created Heineken beer. <laughs> can I, I can only assume that. Uh, Manny Lewis, McFarland USA, The Homesman, Top 5, which is Chris, Chris Rock's film, we finally get it. Uh, and Inherent Vice, which uh, looks pretty funny. We should do a review of Top 5, that'd be confusing. A, rev- a top five yeah. of top five. A top five favourite moments from top five. No, we'll do a top five review. <laughs> top five review. <laughs> and in this American cinemas? Uh, March 13th, we have Cinderella, Run All Night, Home Sweet Hell, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, The Cobbler, It Follows, Walter, and Muck. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Run All Night's Liam Neeson. With, with with a gun, <laughs> he yeah, has, it he is. has a set of skills. It's taken all over again. Isn't it like taken? But it's got something to do with his son this time instead of his daughter. Uh, probably, who knows? Like I really think that's the premise. Is that he's because I remember in the preview he's like, "I'll do whatever it takes to protect my son." And it's like, <laughs> what if they just cut all the scenes? It's all the or not our Liam Neeson scenes are the same, and they just replace the daughter with a with um some guy. Yeah. Run all night. <laughs> and the dude from public says, "It's Liam Neeson. Here's my money." <laughs> we've done it. We've just we've just saved you a lot of money, people behind Run All Night. You can do that for Run All Night too. Anyway, so that's episode one thirty three. Hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> my nipples are erect. Oh, <laughs> no. <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> too much information. That's it from me, David, the host, and the crew, Crystal. Full Bogan! And Bo! Screw Ryan Reynolds. David should play Deadpool. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Bye! You've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. 
You can write on our wall if you go to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Tweet us at nerdculturecast. Skype us on Nerd Culture Podcast. If we don't answer, leave a message. We might even play it on the show. You can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com If you'd like to support the show, use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net or search for NCPTV on YouTube because we also have a YouTube channel. Don't forget, you can rate, review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Wondering where you can hear more of Bo? Go to ecnradio.com. Bo and David also have another podcast called Film Flames. More info at www.filmflames.com. You can find all of our podcasts and more at undercastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.